0: The scripture for today's sermon comes from Mark chapter 8 verses 34 through chapter 9 verse 1. The word of God speaks to us like this. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels." And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. This is the very word of God to us.
1: Thank you, Emily. Thank you, thank you. Well, you can see that we're in Mark chapter 8, and we'll, we've been in this for a while now. Again, last week we... We've talked about this hinge where we are, but I I just want to kind of jump right in and and set the stage with uh, kind of a a mentality of our culture at this point. This thought process that if I just discover myself, if I discover who I am, if I just discover these things, then I will be free. Right. That's the that is kind of the mantra of our culture and of our day and age. And yet, it's not new necessarily. It's just it's just been almost like radioactivated. It's it's gone from just being something that that is a kind of nice thought to something that charges everything. Let me let me illustrate this in a couple ways. The uh, one of the most famous songs of all times. is, it speaks to that thinking, like, it's just, like, it speaks to that. It's been covered over 100 times by 100 different artists have covered this song, and in fact, it's a song that I found out just in, in reading and studying, I found out it is the most requested song for funerals. Now, I want you to think about that for just a second. I haven't told you the song yet, but unless it's on the screen already, like, I haven't told you this. It is the most requested song. Song at funerals, it's Frank Sinatra's My Way. I'm like, not even sure about that. Like, what, what? I haven't planned out my funeral at this point, but like, My Way is the most, uh, most requested funeral song of all time. Read the words with me right here, and we'll, we'll hear that thinking of if I just do my stuff, then I'll, I'll be free. For what is a man and what has he got? If not himself, then he has not to say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. Now, full confession, I love this song. It's an awesome song. I won't be having it at, at my funeral, but I, full confession. Man, it's an awesome song. And when you hear Frank Sinatra really get after it, well, you can be like, I don't even like that type of music. It's like you need to respect it. You need to respect it. But the thought in there is poison. It's poison. The thought that's captured in there is poison. I'm not one who kneels. I'm not one who yields. I'm going to do my stuff, and I'm going to do my stuff my way. It actually gets illustrated even one step further. A couple of years ago, a guy filed a lawsuit in court, filed a lawsuit for a restraining order against God. Just stop and think about that one for a second. A restraining order took a lawsuit, uh, took it to court for a restraining order against God. Here's what he said in court. He was tired of, of God interfering in his life. Yeah, uh, we can can talk all we want to. We can say all sorts of things. We can try our very best to do things our way, and you can actually set up your life where you are just a, a person who doesn't listen to anybody, anyone at all, we were at the fair last week, and, and, and there were all sorts of t-shirts that were proclaiming that thing. And there's all sorts of ways of living of, of just, I'm going to do whatever I want. I do not care what anyone else thinks. But all of us lay our heads down at night, and all of us kind of have these spots where we just sing about one of our songs, like the longings of our souls and the dark places that we go. All of us have this in our, in our lives where we have to answer these two kind of questions of, what am I here for? What am I here for? And then, and then the second one, it doesn't really matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter what your home life was like, how good or bad. You could have grown up in Timbuktu or in Tulsa. You could, you could have grown up with a lot or a little. It doesn't matter. You're going to have to answer those questions of like, what am I here for? And what do I do with this guilt that I feel? Because guilt isn't a Christian thing. Guilt is a human thing that has to be dealt with. And so this morning what I want us to do is just by contrast, look at what life looks like trying to do it our way versus what the Bible calls and what Jesus says is come and follow his way. We want to see that contrast, and we want to ask God to meet us in that. So I want to invite you to pray for me, and I'll pray for you. And let's just ask for God to make us not religious people, but, but people who can answer those two questions. Lord, we, we need you. I need you. I don't think I'm alone in that. We, we need you to be with us. We need you to uh, tune our hearts and help us to understand these things. Because on my own, left to my own devices, I will do things my way. Uh, I I can turn everything into religious activity. I can turn everything into some selfish thing. I I can turn the best of things into just things for me. And God, I pray that we would resist the urge to just sit up straight and say nice pleasantries, but that we would hear your call and that we would follow after you today. And so meet us, God. Holy Spirit, move and work in our, in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, pick it up with me in verse 34. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Here's what it says. And this sets up, this sets up everything in which uh, comes following. This sets it up. It says, in, in calling the crowds to him with his disciples, he said to them, If, and that is a big if, people. This is like the conditional phrase. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Just kind of, as we step into this, that's a massive if. That's not one that we want to gamble on. There's a lot of us that are like, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. I I do that stuff. And yet Jesus puts an if on there. It's like there's huge crowds around him. We've seen him heal. We've seen him step in and and heal people. Just last week, he healed a blind man. Just what we've read before, uh, people whose legs weren't working. Uh, He has raised people from the dead. He has spoken into lives and changed them. A a woman who had been bleeding, a, a dad with his daughter, he has healed. He has healed a man who was overcome by demons in his life. With a word, he has changed nature. With a word, he's calmed storms. With a word, he has provided food for the masses. With a word, he has like shaken the foundations of the culture. This is Jesus who is coming with authority. Jesus who has spoken over wind, waves, nature, demons. He's spoken over all of that as king with authority. And he makes a really clear statement. He says, If anyone is going to follow, this is what it's going to look like. Now, hear that. You and I can stand and say, well, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to follow Jesus my way. I'm going to do these things, and I'm going to to actually do this. I I don't need people in my life. I don't need to do these things. All that stuff is just religious. You can try to do it your way, but that big if still stands there. If you are going to follow after Jesus, Jesus has told us what that looks like. He's told us what that looks like. And so what I want you to do is to kind of put yourself in the crowd. Put yourself in the crowd. Paint this picture in your mind of of being there in the crowd with Jesus and hear this call to him. This call uh, to the masses where he says, come to me. Come after me. And walk with me. Walk with me in these things. And this, this, crowd, uh, this crowd is hearing something really clear that is really jarring and that would not only get their attention, it would shake their knees. It would shake their knees because he's talking about something massive. He's saying that this involves a uh, laying down and a taking up. It involves a denying of things, but a, a picking up of other things. It, it involves a really sharp contrast to what life looks like. It means denying those things that uh, seem natural to you. It, it's denying a lot of things—not everything—but it's denying like just going after your own way, seeking after your own your own name, your own approval, your own your own success, even at times. It's saying it's saying your way leads to death full stop. It means those things that we we so uh, tightly grab hold of, it says, yield if you're going to follow. And maybe our yielding means, God, help pry my fingers off of this. Because there are things that I feel like I, I'm, I'm kicking and screaming. I'm rebelling against God. But I want to let go of, but those are, those are really difficult. It feels really difficult. God, I need your help. But that's part of denying, right? And here's the, here's the point is, is we, can, we can lay anything down. We can lay anything down if we recognize that God is everything. If we recognize that God is everything, then he is worth anything. And yet sometimes we don't recognize that he is that. We think he's a nice thing. He's one way. He's, he's a way. But my way looks different. And, and so we struggle to it. We lay down our comfort. We lay down our desire of wealth, our, our need for approval. We would lay down honor and respect. It's following after him. It's not about our name anymore. We'd lay it all down because he is worth it. But we're taking up certain things too. It's a a denying and a taking up. It's a laying down and it is a grabbing hold of. And what does he say? He, He says, deny yourself and take up this cross friends, let's just be honest. We live in an age, in a culture, in the Bible Belt, full of Christian bookstores and all sorts of things that are, go along with that. Uh, we have clothes that are bedazzled with crosses, and we have uh, all sorts of things in which the cross has often become numb to us. But for these people right here hearing this, this is shocking stuff. This is, this is, this is frightening stuff. It's not just a metaphor. It's not just uh, a nice way of getting attention. It's not code for be a Christian. It's not any of those things. They could literally walk down the road and see a cross with a person on it suffering. The cross wasn't seen as something to be worshipped. It was a source of shame and death. And that was it. And yet Jesus... Jesus brought all sorts of meaning and life to it that were not present before. Remember, Jesus isn't on the cross yet. He says, take up your cross. This is what he says to them. Take up your cross. And if you were there, if you've put yourself in this crowd and you're hearing what's going on, what you would be feeling is this frightening, like, invitation, This frightening invitation of this cross that you were invited to. You're being said to lay down certain things, but take up this frightening thing, which also he speaks in glorious ways. It's the kingdom that makes no sense apart from faith. It's this king that seems foolish apart from faith. And right now he says, lay down what seems natural to you. Deny what seems like in, in your head is what's going to fill you up. Because it won't, it will lead to death. And instead, take hold, take up what seems like it will lead to death, which actually leads to life, which leads to hope. It's, It's wild, the scope which he's putting out there. It's a call not just for people with advanced degrees, but for people who have dropped out. It's a call to those who feel like they have everything in the world and to those who feel like they have nothing in this world. For those who feel like everything's fine, to lay it down. And for those who feel hopeless and alone, it is a call for each and every one of them. It's also one call for each and every person. There's no other call out there. This is it. If you are going to follow after Jesus, this is what it looks like. No negotiations, full stop. And we probably need to hear that because we're not entering into a negotiation on what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Every time my heart tries to negotiate a different deal with God, I start to hear that Frank Sinatra song in my head. I'm trying to do this my way. We follow Jesus unto death because it's through the cross where we find life. It's through the cross where we find meaning. It's through the cross where we find answers to those questions. My way does not lead to those answers. And then Jesus does something really important. He actually shows That each and every one of us are going to lay our lives down for something. We're going to. There's no way around it. All of us will face death. All of us, each and every way. One way or another, we are going to experience. See what verse 35 says. For whoever would save his life will lose it. It should get our attention anytime we read the beginning of a sentence here in Scripture that starts with a four. It's leading us back to something. It's just one of those grammatical things that tells us. It's, it's speaking to something. This statement right before it. Uh, all of these things. If you are going to be a follower of Christ, this is what it looks like. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospel's, We'll save it. You say, it's, it's this verse that gets twisted up so often. You get people who think they've got to be crazy and like have this martyr mentality of running out there. I'll go lose my life for Jesus. I spent time overseas for a while in a, in a Muslim context, and we would go to these different places, and I, at one point being uh, overseas, this guy, uh, an American guy who had this mentality, I'm willing to lose my life for Jesus, decides to run into a mosque and just start screaming, Jesus is Lord, which let's be honest, let's be, let's be generous too and say, this guy really wanted the best. He just went about it in a really foolish way. He really, he went about it in just about the worst way. That's not what's being described. Don't be a knucklehead. We're not talking about some sort of like Christian Rambo syndrome. We're talking about like trying to look at our own lives, these areas inside of ourselves in which we, we stop and we recognize where I am trying to hold on and save my life, I will lose it. But where I run to the cross, where I see this gospel of the one who came, the one who came, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, died, and then took his life back, rose from the grave, it's right there in those places and where it will be found and where I will be saved. You see, living a, a life of self saving is one that turns inward. It starts to be protective. It starts to just kind of like try to protect what I've got, and I need enough to save myself, and I need to have enough people who think this about me to save myself. We, it starts to be oriented around ourselves, my needs, my wants. It starts to hide our own flaws, it starts to, prote- to protect our own image, to trust in our own abilities and ambitions. And it turns, it turns right from wrong, or right to wrong, turns friends to foes. It it could turn up from down. And people start believing all sorts of crazy things. Just recently, I sat with somebody, someone we love dearly, someone who walked with us for a season. And, And she told me, like, She's never been happier as she walks away from her marriage, as she walks away from her family, as she walks away from her faith. And she, she's telling me that she's never been happier. And I didn't, I wasn't trying to argue with her. I wasn't trying to, to twist her arm and make her do something. I, I'm just sitting with someone who's like believing while sitting in front of me that she's as happy as she's ever been when I've never seen her more miserable. It just made me so deeply sad. A life that had turned inward, a life that had become focused on on self and saving self, she'd been led to believe that if she just kind of found herself, then she'd be really happy. And all it did is twist her up into knots and turn her into a shell. It was so unbelievably sad and so unbelievably painful, and yet I recognize that there are ways in, in which I do the exact same thing, and I think there are plenty of ways in which you do the exact same thing. Maybe not to that extent, maybe not to the extent where you've, you've thrown certain things away, but where we find ourselves turning inward, and all of it becomes rot. There's another way. We're either going to be self-saving and try to save ourselves, which leads to death, or there's a way of of living lives that are self-losing, which leads to life, ironically. This God-centered life, a life driven by love for Jesus in the gospel, as we just read, where loving Jesus in, in the depth of our being revolves around like this risen one who says he will meet with us. This risen one who who said that, like, I am here with you right here in this moment. The one who offers himself. A, a self-losing life is one who's, who's ready to give up themselves for others. It's an outward life in different ways. It's, it's losing your life in Jesus. You become more of who you were created to be not less of who you were created to be. It's not not like you lose lose that. It's actually you become the person you were designed to be, rooted in God's supply and not trying to just muster up the energy on your own. It's open-hearted and unhidden. It's a life that says, yes, I'm a messed up piece of work. I'm a whole bundle of paradoxes. I struggle as much as anyone else. And yes, I'm all those things. It's, it's funny because so often people will throw at Christians, they'll say, oh, Christians are just hypocrites. Christians are the ones who raise their hands and say, we are busted up people. It's because of Jesus that everything changes. The self losing life actually says, I have no hope apart from. From Jesus at work in me. I have no hope. I have nothing to bring to us. It's an outward life that is living out this beautiful, beautiful story of death and resurrection. That we meet Jesus through the cross, that we walk with Jesus through the burial and through the baptism. Where we literally say, with a, we say, buried with Christ in death, raised to walk in newness of life. It's this cross bearing life with Jesus in the, in the center that leads naturally to new desires for God while old desires fade. And that doesn't, it rarely happens instantly. Occasionally it has. Occasionally for people, I've known people in which they were addicted to something and instantly it changed. But most people, it is a slow progression of God forming and reforming. For most people that I've seen, for most of the aspects of my life, it's slow forming and deforming. It's God Renewing us. It's God forming us into. Him. And what we need to say is that following after Jesus, if we're in this crowd with these people, following after Jesus is something harder than we tend to give it credit for and also far more beautiful than people say. But if the scope of all this is is wide and full and, and like a bigger perspective than we tend to give it credit to. Like the, the benefits are just as shocking. The benefits are, are, are out of control because the benefits actually answer those questions that we we lay our head down at night and we say, man, I, I can project all these things. I can try to be who, who people want me to be. I can try to do all this thing for approval or whatever, but ultimately I feel guilty inside and what the gospel says and what this way of life says is that you are forgiven. And you may be trying to do things your own way because of a busted up home life, a busted up childhood where you had, you had it really rough. You may not have ever known what a healthy family looks like. You may not have walked in experiences with people that felt trusting, Your relationships may have some toxicity to it, which has led you to pull back and retreat within. And you may be going about all sorts of life your own way for all sorts of reasons, but this gospel life says you are adopted into a wholly different family. It says you're forgiven, you're adopted, you are delivered. You are delivered into this resurrection life which isn't something that you could do on your own. It isn't something you could earn. It's all God. You see, this passage is actually laying out this beautiful life through death. And the Bible even illustrates this. Listen to what the words of the Apostle Paul, as he, uh, he illustrates this. In Galatians chapter two, he says this. I've been crucified with Christ. Do you hear it? I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the new life. It isn't just the Apostle Paul, though. C.S. Lewis, one of the, the, the preeminent authors of our age, wrote this. See if it sounds familiar. Give up yourself and you will find your real life. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, the death of your ambition and and favorite wishes every day and the death of your whole body in the end. Hear this, submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep nothing back. It's like C.S. Lewis was reading this passage. Keep nothing back. Because real life comes through dying to self. Don't give your soul to this world. You are made by God. You have been made by God and for God to know what real life looks like. So let's wrap up. Pick it up in verse 36, and we'll read through verse 1. It says this, and we need to catch this because it's really important as we, as we close. For, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can, a gain, what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, in, in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, Will the Son of Man also be ashamed when it comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels? And he said to them, truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. You see, we've been saying, as we walk through Mark, we've been saying this is all about a king and his kingdom. And Jesus speaks directly to it. It's about a king and in a kingdom. And he says if you walk in ways ashamed of me, if you if you walk in different ways, like don't think that you're following after me. And don't trade your soul for something stupid. Don't trade your soul for your own way. What does it gain you? What does it get you? See, Jesus says come after me. Follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Lose your life, and receive, receive a new way of living. But for many of us, this is the gap, right? This is the gap in what we say we believe and how we actually live. And yet, the reality is is in our practice, that we practice daily what we really believe. This is where that if becomes really important. If you're going to follow after Jesus, we practice daily what we really believe. It's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe it. Here's my card. I go to this place. I worship on that mountain, all those types of things. But this is the gap, right? Because we can say, like, oh, I do this, and yet we're living our own way. We're walking after our own desires. We're walking for our own name and our own glory. What we think is our own good. All the while saying, oh yeah, I'm following after Jesus. And friend, hear me. If that's you, you're not. You're not. Hear Jesus saying, don't give your don't give away your soul, don't give away your life to other things. And yet there's a gap in that. We find ourselves giving away ourselves to our job, to approval, to what other people would think or say about us. Not just in person, but people we don't even know online. We find ourselves giving away ourselves to stupid things that actually don't matter, and we, we trade everything for it. On and on, we give up ourselves. He says, identify yourself with me. Don't be ashamed. Identify yourself as as one who has taken up their cross. And yet this is the gap, isn't it? This this is the revealer. This is the if that shows all the gap in in how we're walking and how we're living. Because we'll identify with all sorts of other things. We'll identify with our club, our CrossFit gym, or whatever, whatever our activity is. Oh, no, I do this. I do that. We'll identify with all of those things. We'll, we'll identify and not even realize that our first love goes to that. We will identify with our sin. We will identify with our gender. We will identify with uh, things that we like. We'll identify with things that we don't like. We will identify with a party over everything. We'll identify and follow a person who will lead us over the edge. And yet what we're being told right here is identify with Jesus. And not just Jesus, identify with the gospel, Identify that you have no hope in yourself. It is all because of one who came and took your place, died, and rose again. You see, when we hear his call, when we hear his call, our hearts open up. Our hearts open up to a new way of living. It cuts through it all, and my fear, my prayer continues to go that we have a a room full of people, that we have a, a lot of people who go to church and a lot of churches in this area who know a lot of religious things and know a lot of talk about Jesus, but we haven't actually heard his call. Instead, that we're trying to do things our way. That I try to do things my way. He cuts through it all. Jesus cuts through every bit of it, saying, come after me. Come after me. I am worth it. Deny yourself. Take up the cross. Lose your life and receive a new way of living. Don't give away your soul and identify yourself with Jesus receive receive real life as son as daughter as friend will you pray with me